You are Locked On Cougars. Welcome into a Thursday edition of the podcast. And as it feels like, it's as the Cougars turn right now with the BYU men's basketball program. We'll get to the latest on that. Some good news, actually, for a change with Mark Pope's squad. We'll touch on that. We'll also get to your guys' questions submitted via Twitter. It's a Twitter Thursday mailbag edition of the show. And, of course, we'll catch up on everything else going on in BYU sports news with all the other sports in action this week. How did softball and men's volleyball do? And also, we didn't get to this yesterday, a walk-off loss for BYU men's baseball so a lot to get to ahead on today's show and it's all brought to you by our friends over at betonline.net betonline's got you covered all year long with more props odds and lines than ever before that's betonline where the game starts all right without further ado let's get going this is the locked on cougars podcast for april 22nd 2022 Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, and thank you again for making us your first listen of the day here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thank you for checking us out on YouTube, subscribing, rating, reviewing, liking, commenting, all that fun stuff. Even those of you listening to us on traditional podcasts, platforms. Regardless, we're free and available wherever you check out the show, and thank you for your support. All right, uh, let me first off clarify that if my voice sounds a little funky, I'm dealing with some springtime allergies. It's something that comes around each year for me, so if I sound a little bit off or if all of a sudden I sound a little sniffly, just understand that I'm dealing with some allergies, and who knows, I may sneeze during this. I'll try and uh, stop from doing that, but I can't promise anything at this point, but a lot to get to ahead on today's show, and let's start it off with the BYU men's basketball program. As I said in our open, it feels like it's as the Cougars turn or days of our lives, whatever soap opera you happen to favor or telenovela, whatever uh, is your cup of tea. It's what it feels like with BYU men's basketball right now. Now, I lifted the lid earlier this week with some news about Gideon George and Caleb Lohner entering the NCAA transfer portal. I broke the news of that, and then in a matter of hours, maybe a day later, they both revealed on social media they had officially entered their names into the transfer portal, said thank you to BYU fans, and essentially it appeared that they, for all intents and purposes, their time at BYU was done. Well, yesterday, uh, I was just doing my thing, uh, hanging out with my kids actually, and I got a text saying, hey, uh, there's some news brewing with BYU basketball. And I responded to it. It's a source of mine. I'm like, what's going on? Well, uh, they said, all you need to know is Gideon George has apparently decided he's coming back to BYU. And I don't know if I'm necessarily reporting anything here, but all for all intents and purposes, it appears that Gideon George has reversed course and op- has opted to remain in Provo. I still believe he will continue to pursue all of his professional options with regards to the NBA draft, not the NFL draft, that's a week from today, but he'll continue to look at his options with the professional ranks, but if he's going to play another year in college, it appears that it will be at BYU playing for Mark Pope. Now, you're probably wondering, what in the world changed, Jake? I can tell you this much. Mark Pope 
He is a guy that when he gets with people, uh, he sells people hard. I, I don't know how any other way to say it. He is an absolute salesman. He does an incredible job at making sure people feel like they are loved. And I think that he went and made the points to Gideon George that I would have made. Gideon, we believe that you're a 3 and D guy who can absolutely continue to hone his craft here in Provo. You're familiar with the system. You fit in here. And you're actually going to see more opportunities with guys like Alex Barcelo and T. John Lucas now out of the program than you would have had somebody else be been in the program. Could that change if BYU to Orlando, a guy like we talked about yesterday with Antoine Davis on the podcast? Sure, because Antoine Davis is a volume shooter. He's going to take up a lot of shots and a lot of offense. But a guy like Gideon George, you tell him, hey, you continue to hone your craft here. You're already on a good track with regards to your potential as a professional basketball player. Why not stick around? Why not continue to do what you do? You're familiar, like I said, with Provo, the lay of the land. You're in school. I believe he's actually either going to have his degree in hand or already has a degree in hand, which is a massive of accomplishment for a kid of his stature, but it's just it, it, the really cool thing about this is it appears that Mark Pope is doing work, my friends, and I'm going to, as I said, I've said this all week long, I'm going to withhold judgment on Mark Pope's good or bad job that he's doing as BYU's head coach. I'm going to reserve that judgment for at least a couple of weeks, but hey, if he's got Gideon George already coming back to BYU, it appears that Mark Pope is already doing things in the transfer portal and already doing work on remaking this roster. I think Gideon George is a welcome re-addition back to the BYU roster because I am of the opinion that he was maybe BYU's best wing defender last year in terms of his overall length and ability to stay in front of guys, and you would expect he'll take another uptick in that with another year in BYU's system. I don't know necessarily that you're going to count on him to all of a sudden go from being, I think he was averaging 8 points a game to him being a 20 point a game scorer, but if you can get him to the 10 to 15 point range on any given night that's a very good sample size, and if he also can continue to hone his craft with regards to shooting the 3 that's going to be even bigger for him, because he has aspirations of playing at the NBA level, well the biggest thing for him is he's got NBA prototypical length he's got the athletic ability I feel like to be a guy who can defend at the NBA level but he's got to be able to shoot the 3 effectively. You hear all about 3 and D guys. Well, Gideon George appears on paper to be one of those guys that you could have as a 3 and D player. And I'm very excited if the reports officially are true. And trust me, this could change in 24 hours because as I reported earlier this week when the news of them going into the transfer portal when I broke that, I was told that both Caleb Lohner and Gideon George were leaving BYU and they had zero intention of coming back. What changed in the 24 to 48 hours to change Gideon George's mind? I can't say for certain, but I do know that Mark Pope got with him, and for all intents and purposes, it appears that Gideon George is set to make his return to BYU, barring his decision to pursue NFL, man, NFL, NBA, or professional overseas type deals with regards to his basketball future. So, Maybe some early judgment cast on Mark Pope and the BYU men's basketball program was a little misguided, maybe. But at the same time, as I said, I'm going to withhold judgment until we see a bigger picture of what Mark Pope is able to do with regards to hiring a new assistant coach. Also looking in the transfer portal. I am just, I am, I, I cannot emphasize enough how much I want BYU to land a guy like Antoine Davis. I think he would be an absolutely incredible player in BYU system. You want to talk about a guy who's a volume shooter who can absolutely fill it up. When you have four career 40-point games at the collegiate level in a 40-minute game and your career high is 48 points, yeah, we're talking about Jimmer Fredette type stuff and who knows what he could accomplish in BYU's offense with a lot of shots appearing to be available to him if he were to pick the Cougars. We'll see how it all shakes out. So 
Good news with regards to Gideon George. Hopefully, I'm not breaking any news to you guys. Hopefully, you follow me on social media, Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter, and I'll be, of course, able to refer to stuff in more live time. But it appears that some good news has finally come for the BYU men's basketball program after a week of a lot of bad news, it felt like, in many respects. So it looks like things may be looking up, but hey, it's literally a day-by-day basis at this point for the BYU men's basketball program. And who knows uh, where it might turn next, but hopefully we don't have as much angst as we have had earlier this week. And hopefully things are continuing to look up for the men's basketball program moving forward. Now, what's looking up is for you guys. I've looked up uh, your guys' questions. You guys sent them in via Twitter. I asked for them on social media yesterday. It is a Twitter Thursday edition of the mailbag that we're going to open up. We'll answer your questions. Some very good ones submitted that I want to touch on because I really enjoyed what you guys had to say this week. So we'll get to all those here momentarily. But let's talk about something you guys can do that can have you guys feeling up to the task. You hear like that little transition? Let's talk about our friends over at Athletic Greens. What, what is Athletic Greens? Well, it is a product that you can use every day, and it has a myriad of positive benefits for you as a human being. It gives you more energy. It optimizes your immune system. It uh, helps you avoid taking pills and supplements by the handful, it feels like. If you want a supplement that actually tastes great, you guys should check out what Athletic Greens has got for you guys. Athletic Greens costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself as well. And the best part is you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance for your body. Uh, Athletic Greens also was created by a founder who experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine that cost him over $100 a day. He created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. So the goal is with new with Athletic Greens to make this a one-stop type uh, supplement for you guys to help your health. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. It's that simple, my friends. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is also going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash college. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com slash college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance that is our friends over at Athletic Greens. All right, let's answer you guys' questions. But first, a reminder for you guys, thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen every day. Now for a huge announcement. Of course, the NFL Draft is a week away from today. We'll have round one. But starting Thursday, April 28th, a week from today, tune into the Locked On NFL Draft's live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. Yours truly will probably be in the mix on that with Tyler Algier, etc. And for those of you dying to know who your team will take, check out the Odyssey and Locked On NFL Draft draft uh, mock draft special hosted by Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson. They are of uh, obviously of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show here on the Locked On Podcast Network that has already been going this week. There are at least four editions of it out. They're going pick by pick and explaining why they believe teams are going to take certain players. So check that out in the lead up to the NFL draft. But that three-day coverage, live coverage, first of its kind here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm going to encourage you guys to check that out. All right, time to answer your guys' questions on social media. It's a Twitter Thursday mail 
mailbag edition. Let's start off with a great question here coming in from our good friend Nick Chadwick, who is a very loyal listener at GFOP, a good friend of the podcast. Nick asked this question, who is the next Wilson slash Hall for BYU at quarterback? Is he on the team? Is he a possible transfer? Or is there a quarterback that will be joining out of the high school ranks? He says the first year in the Big 12 with an inexperienced quarterback scares me a lot. Also, ease my fears when it comes to defensive line and linebacker with injury concerns being up to snuff. Now, let's answer the first questions here. Who's the next Wilson and Hall for BYU? I don't necessarily say that you can point to that directly, but I do think that Jacob Conover showed enough in spring ball to give BYU fans a little more comfort with him potentially being the future for BYU. Uh, Nick, to answer your question, I think the BYU will look in the transfer portal for another guy to add to the quarterback position to hopefully compete for that job, because I'm with you. You do not want to go into Big 12 play with an inexperienced quarterback who you feel like might not be up to the task of playing Power 5 level football. Jacob Conover was a winner at every level of high of football that he played at in his, in his youth in his youth youth days youth uh, whether it's at the junior high the peewee and even the high school level he won three state championships at least two I know that at Chandler High School which is maybe the best high school program in Arizona so this is a kid who is a one at an extremely high level but the the biggest question is will he be ready for the rigors of Big 12 play it's a huge question mark I, I freely admit that but I do think BYU will look to the transfer portal will continue to recruit guys Aaron Roderick has said that he is, intends to bring in a quarterback in every recruiting class regardless of how big his room might be there's always attrition guys looking to transfer that type of stuff and let's also not discount Cade Fennigan I heard great things about him all last year he was slowed by injury and spring ball. I think both he and Jacob Conover will absolutely duel it out to see who's able to replace Jaron Hall. But yes, there is big concerns with regards to an inexperienced quarterback going into the Big 12 play. But I think the strides that Jacob Conover made in spring are intriguing enough that I am of the opinion that he probably is the odds-on favorite to take over for Hall. But who knows? Only time will tell. Now on the defensive line and linebacker here for momentarily, I think the biggest thing that you can expect with regards to progress for them. It's just the simple fact of the experience factor. The defensive line was very, very young last year, and that youth showed in their inability to stop the run. The linebacking core similar. After both Peyton Wilgar and Keenan Peely got hurt, BYU was suddenly very thin at the linebacker position and just couldn't stop anybody. I think just with more experience, uh, another year of development, the defensive line hit the weight room hard. I saw some transformed bodies just in my uh, watching BYU practices during spring ball. So I am intrigued just by the the overall, I guess, what you'd call continued uh, improvement just year over year with guys in the weight room experiencing Division One football, that type of stuff. I think there is a possibility to be why you find some success and some progression there, but they weren't good last year down the stretch. What's to give us the intention that they are going to do that early on the season and maybe hold out for the entire year in 2022? Uh, similar to the quarterback question, the proof will be in the pudding. We'll find out later on in the season. All right, another question coming in here from Chase Messer, flipping over to BYU basketball for a moment. He says, is this Seneca Knight's fifth and final eligibility year, or did he get a redshirt for the year and only played a few games for San Jose, San Jose State University? Now, Chase, uh, he's at Chase underscore Messer 44, by the way, and Nick Chadwick earlier, excuse me, Nick Chadwick 15 on Twitter. Chase, to answer your question, I believe that is the final year of Seneca Knight's eligibility. Uh, he's 
put out this tweet yesterday. Jeff Hansen, a good friend of the podcast, uh, tweeted out that he's excited to see uh, Seneca Knight back in Provo for another year. Seneca Knight quote tweeted that with, I am all in with my brothers, coaches, and Cougar Nation. Let's get to work. Seneca Knight has bought into the BYU men's basketball program. Was he great this past year? No, he had his struggles. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And BYU needs better play from him, especially as they try and revamp this roster. I am intrigued that he is as vocal as he is about BYU, but I do think that he only has one year remaining and he's got to make the most of it because this is a guy who played at San Jose State who was an all-Mountain West Conference performer at San Jose State before departing for a short time to LSU and then ultimately landing at BYU. This is his third program, his third stop. Uh, There were some rumors of him potentially transferring. I dug into that a little bit. He essentially would have been out of transfer options outside of transferring to a lower division, a Division II program. There was no way it appeared that he was going to transfer and play immediately at a D1 program. So he's sticking with BYU. He is bought in. If you believe his tweets, he is all in with Mark Pope and riding and dying with the Cougars. And we'll see how it all shakes out for him. But I am very intrigued as as to how he will uh, pan out because if he lives up to his billing, what he did at San Jose State, you have two legit wings with both him and Gideon George manning those positions for BYU, and that'd be a very welcome development with also a guy like Trevin Nell who can get hot on any, any given night. It'd actually be a very nice thing for BYU. Now, our final question uh, here uh, in our mailbag segment today uh, comes from our good friend Damon Carter, dcarter5231. He says, I've got a question for the Locked On Cougars podcast. He says, what is BYU's succession plan once Tom Homo eventually ties uh, retires and then he continues who will replace him as athletic director will it be Brian Santiago I'm curious what other candidates there would be out there I said I started thinking about this with the news of Bob Bowlesby stepping down as the Big 12 commissioner and thinking Tom would be a fantastic conference commissioner in his own right now let's uh, take these questions and try and answer them uh, bit by bit here so first thing uh, I am of the opinion that uh, Tom Homo he is sticking out with BYU for the foreseeable future Uh, I think that he has accomplished a lot in his time as BYU's athletic director for what? Are we now 17 years into his tenure? I think so. It's been a long time for him running the BYU athletic department, but think of all the successes that he's had. The chief crowning success is getting BYU into the Power Five as a member of the Big 12 Conference. There's absolutely no doubt about that. That's like the feather in the cap of an already impressive uh, resume for Tom Homo. Now, what is the succession plan when Tom decides to step aside? That's a great question, Damon, and I am of the opinion it will all depend who is still with the athletic department when that time comes, no matter how far out it might be. Brian Santiago, very natural uh, looking successor for a guy like Tom Homo if he is still around. I'm of the opinion that Brian Santiago may get a little, uh, I don't know, uh, how do I say this? Get a little... What's the word here? May just get get frustrated with having to wait around as long as he might have to to take over that job, and maybe he looks elsewhere for another job. I know that Brian is a lifer with BYU. He came in with Steve Cleveland, has been at BYU since the late 90s. He's been there forever, but who knows? Maybe at some point he gets a little frustrated and looks for another gig and bides his time and maybe makes a return to BYU in that regard. A guy to keep an eye on with regards to the succession plan for Tom Homo is Chad Lewis. He's already working inside the BYU Athletic Department. He's a very capable fundraiser. He's done a great job in his role. I believe this is the Associate Athletic Director for Advancement or some such like that, some title like that. He is a very, very savvy individual. Anybody who's talked to Chad knows how great of a human being he is. He loves BYU. It's in his blood. He has had daughters play for the BYU Women's Volleyball Program. He is, of course, a former All-American, a standout for the BYU uh, football program. 
I am of the opinion that Chad Lewis would be just the home run successor to Tom Homo. That's my personal opinion. I'm not reporting this. I don't know anything on the inside of this. This is just me kind of speculating on what I expect. Now, with regards to your point about Bob Bowlesby stepping down and thinking that Tom would be a fantastic conference commissioner, I don't think you're wrong in that assessment, but I think that Tom Homo has like about this much, a 0% interest in being a conference commissioner. I just don't think think that he wants to take on that burden right now. There are uh, reports out there that Washington State's AD Kirk Schultz, I believe is his name, could be in the running for the Big 12 commissioner job. Oliver Luck, the guy that I thought would be a natural guy to take over as Big 12 commissioner, has taken a, a, a chairman job with an NIL consulting firm. So who knows where the Big 12 ultimately will land, but I just don't think Tom Homo is interested in running an entire conference. I think that BYU, similar to what I just talked about with Chad Lewis, BYU is in Tom Homo's blood, and he wants nothing more than success for the Cougars, and I think he'll stick it out until he is done just working. He's going to retire as a BYU Cougar, I think. Now, the other uh, point of this, he also added a second part to this. The other part of this is how long after the transition would Tom Homo stay? says that uh, getting BYU into the Power 5 conferences is a crowning achievement for his career as an athletic director. But says once that happens, does he question what else he can accomplish? Now, that is a great question, uh, Damon, because I'm with you. Like, what else does Tom really need to do outside of BYU football winning a national championship and him being able to say, okay, I got us in the Power 5. We've now won our second national championship in BYU football history. Really, what else can he accomplish? And Tom is getting up there. I believe he is 59, 60, somewhere in that range. So he's getting towards retirement age. I don't know how long he ultimately is planning uh, to stick around as BYU's athletic director, but I can tell you this much. BYU needs Tom Homo. Tom Homo has just been absolutely awesome. He was a guy that always planned on going into athletic administration. There was a really cool piece, I believe, done by Dave McCann a while back about how Tom even when he was coaching and uh, working at Cal and with Stanford and with the San Francisco 49ers, his goal all along was to get into athletic administration. That's what he always wanted to do. And he's been a great, great athletic director for BYU. So, Damon, I get your point. How much longer does Tom want to stick around? I would figure he probably sticks around for at least the early early goings of Big Twelve uh, of the Big Twelve era for BYU because I think he wants to experience what the Power Five level is like. Obviously, he's not a coach on the field; he's not making the decisions in game that type of stuff. But he is as invested a human being in BYU athletics overall success as anybody out there. So. I'm of the opinion that Tom Homo, I don't think he has plans to step down anytime soon. He has said uh, on the record, I actually asked him the question. He has said that he has a group of advisors or mentors that he looks to. He says that at any point, if they feel like he is slipping, he has told them to tell him to step aside. And that's when he would do it. I don't see Tom slipping though. Every time I talk to him, he seems as sharp as a tack. He is on point. He knows what he's doing and he's made some really, really good hires. He's obviously going to have to make a new hire for the women's basketball program. The baseball program's got to have a new head coach, even though Trent Pratt, I feel like is a natural successor to take over for Mike Littlewood there. He's got some big hires to make and he's got to help BYU get into the big 12, make that transition as smooth as possible. So I just don't feel like Tom is going to step aside as soon as uh, July 1, 2023, when BYU officially is a member of the Big 12. I don't think July 2nd, Tom Holmes said, well, folks, I'm out of here pulling a George Costanza and saying, I'm out. I just don't see that happening. I just don't think that is how Tom is going to operate. But I also don't think you're going to see him at BYU in 10 years time. Is that? 
answer the question? Hopefully, and answer your questions. Hopefully. If you guys have questions, I always love fielding them. Would love nothing more than for you guys to weigh in with your thoughts as always as well. Send them to Locked On Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter to me on my personal Twitter feed, Jacob C. Hatch, or you can email them. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. All right, coming up here in a moment, we'll round out today's show with the other news in BYU sports you guys need to know about. How did men's volleyball do last night in the MPSF tournament? How did women's, vol- uh, women's softball do? We'll get to all of that here in just a second. First, though, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. We just talked about Tom Homo's future. Well, if you want to put some futures odds on NFL games, NFL teams, uh, college football teams, BYU football, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information needs. I'm serious about this. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. It's all online at BetOnline.net. They are your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports and more. Here's a little logo. I meant to put that up a little bit earlier, but head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action available to you now. It's betonline.net where the game starts. All right, let's get to the other news involved in BYU athletics here on a Thursday. Let's start off with the women's softball program. Some good news for them as they beat UVU, blanking the Wolverines in Provo 2-0. Uh, BYU is absolutely getting work done with the softball program, and it's fun to watch them do their thing because Gordon Eakin's softball team is off to one of their better starts. They did not have the uh, cleanest start to West Coast Conference play, but in terms of their overall play this season, they have been very, very good, and it looks like they will make the uh, West Coast Conference uh, final. Uh, well, do they even have a tournament anymore? I don't know if they do, but regardless, they're going to make the NCAA regionals, and it'll be like the 15th or 16th straight year that they have made those regionals. So just continuing to do a lot of work for the women's softball program. So congratulations to Gordon Eakin and his squad. It's always good to see them having success out there on the diamond. If you have not had a chance to go out to Gail Miller Field to watch a softball game, you're missing out, my friends. It's a really, really fun environment. BYU is 26-10 and 10 overall. Like I mentioned, they're 1-2 in West Coast Conference play, and they've got a big series coming up this weekend as they get back into West Coast Conference play with LM. Uh, excuse me, they lost to LMU. Uh, they will have San Diego coming to town. Oh, excuse me, I apologize, man. I am struggling here. They head to San Diego, so they're taking on the Toreros in San Diego this weekend. A three-game set Friday and Saturday down there in San Diego. So. Big weekend ahead for BYU softball, but starting off the weekend in a solid fashion with that win over UVU. Now, the men's volleyball program, talk about heartbreak city for the men's volleyball team. They were in a five-set battle against Pepperdine in the MPSF tournament yesterday in the quarterfinals of that tournament. BYU just battled tooth and nail at Poly Pavilion against Pepperdine, but ultimately fell in the fifth set, 16-14, to 14, losing three sets to two. That ends BYU volleyball's season. Unfortunate. I felt like, okay, they got a chance here to keep their season and alive and just come up agonizingly short. It, it, man, what a gut punch for BYU men's volleyball. Some good news came out yesterday, though. The MPSF season awards came out. Davide Gardini was on the first team. That is his fourth straight MPSF selection. He's a senior. He's exiting the program. Probably going to go on to a pretty stellar pro career, speaking of Davide Gardini, but congratulations to him on his fourth straight MPSF first team honors. And then also Mix Romanis and Tion Taylor were also named the MPSF freshman team. So the future looks bright for men's volleyball for BYU. A rough year this year, but the hope is as they move forward, they will be better in future seasons, and I know Coach Olmstead will not be satisfied with how things ended this year for BYU, but he will be pushing them to get better as they push forward here. So, uh, man... 
you want to say, okay, th- th- it was a down season. Yes, it was a down season, but the future for men's volleyball, I don't think they're going to be down for a long time. I feel like they're going to bounce back in pretty good fashion next year. And if the young talent in the program, it really starts to come to bear, they can be right back near the top of the MPSF and challenging for national championships game really, really quickly. All right, final thing uh, today, BYU Baseball opens their series against San Diego and West Coast Conference play tonight at Miller Park. Six o'clock first pitch will be on the BYU Sports Network and also on BYU TV's app. Streaming there, uh, BYU lost in a walk-off fashion to Utah 8-7 to on Tuesday night. I've men- I forgot to get to that yesterday. So a tough loss for BYU, but a huge opportunity against San Diego this weekend. Coach Pratt and the Pingin Cougs. Uh, no, they're not the Pingin Cougs. That's the Pingin Utes. I apologize. It is the uh, the Batcats. Duh. Batcats. BYU in action tonight. San Diego. They'll have a three-game set this weekend. Men's Golf also getting ready for, to host their uh, Cougar Ping Classic this weekend at Riverside Country Club. Final preparations for that are ongoing. Also, BYU Men's and Women's Track and Field hosting uh, the Robinson Invitational that started yesterday. It'll continue through the weekend. If you want to go out and watch some high-level track athletes compete Get down to the Robinson uh, Track and Field Complex. It's actually a really cool venue. It's got great views of the Wasatch Mountains. It sits right below where Miller Park and uh, Gail Miller Field are at. You know exactly where I'm talking about. I encourage you guys to get out there and check that out. And then the final thing today is the BYU Women's Golf Program. They're in Las Vegas uh, to take part in the West Coast Conference Championships. It's taking place at the Lake Las Vegas Golf Club uh, Tournament. Oh, we've uh, taking place today, tomorrow, and Saturday to crown the West Coast Conference champion. Here's hoping that Coach Roberts and the BYU Women's Golf Program can have a fantastic showing down there in Sin City and hopefully uh, punch their ticket to an NCAA regional with a win in that tournament. But just getting started today, so we'll see how it goes. It's it, you, you have to stay in contention early on in tournaments like this, but you have to make sure you take care of business at the same time and make sure that you get some low scores. So... We'll see how it all shakes out. We'll keep updates for you guys throughout the week on all those fronts. And, of course, we'll be back tomorrow talking BYU sports. As I said, who knows what might be happening with BYU basketball in the next 24 hours. But we will have it covered for you guys. And, of course, we'll continue on with – oh, and shoot, I just completely forgot. We also got to talk about this. Today – uh, we've been doing these uh, top 50 players of both all-time and the independent era for BYU football. I completely spaced this until the very last second. So let's talk about one of the top players of the independent era for BYU. If you have missed this, uh, we've already talked. We already highlighted guys like Vaisikahema, Kobe Pearson, and uh, also, uh, who was I thinking of? Alake Hemuli earlier this week. Well, today we flip back over to the top 50 players of the independent era for BYU. And I'm going to flip over to the defense today and talk about Joe Sampson. He was a transfer from the college. Of San Mateo and Foothill College coming to BYU and played the first two years of independence for BYU in 2011 and 2012. Uh, Joe Sampson was a hard hitting safety for BYU. I loved watching him play. He actually kicked, uh, returned some kicks for BYU early on in his career, had eight total kick returns for 168 yards in 2012. Also uh, collected just one interception during his career. But more importantly, like I said, he was a safety who came downhill and absolutely punished runners, finished his career with 55 total tackles, one sack, six tackles. Tackles for loss, five pass breakups, three quarterback hits, and as I mentioned, that one interception in 2011. Uh, Joe Sampson, there wasn't necessarily anything that screamed to me, okay, this is why this guy should be on this list. 
this is all subjective for me, really. Uh, Joe Sampson was just a personal favorite of mine early on in the independent era for BYU. As I said, my professional career covering BYU spans this independent era. I can speak more to this era of BYU football than most because it's what I've been focused in on for almost a decade now, actually more than a decade now. It's crazy to think that BYU is going into their final year of independence, but... It's crazy to think that Joe Sampson, all those years ago, was one of the early standouts for BYU and Independence. And it was good to see him back on the field, by the way, at the BYU alumni game. He was back on the field participating this past in this past spring ball at that alumni game on March 31st. It was good to see him back out there and getting some cheers from BYU fans. Joe is one of the guys that I will always remember because I just one of the fun guys I enjoyed watching early on in the Independent era for BYU. So didn't mean to overlook that until the very last second, but hey. I apologize. I meant to get to that earlier on today's show. We'll talk about another member of the top 50 of BYU's all-time players tomorrow as we round out a Friday edition of the show. So a huge thank you uh, for sticking with us and making us your first listen of the day. Want to encourage you guys now to make our friends over at the Locked On NFL Draft your second listen of the day. They are getting you ready day by day for the NFL Draft. They live and breathe this stuff. It's a fantastic product. And similar to this podcast, it is free and available wherever you want to get it, whether it's in the regular podcast form or you want to get it on YouTube. Search it out. That's the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. All right, that is going to do it. Have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this. Hope you guys are all doing well. This has been the Locked On Cougars Podcast for April 21st, 2022, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.